0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Let's start out with a word of prayer. You can pray for me and I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit declares the truth to us. Lord, I pray that you open our hearts to receive that truth in the name of Jesus, Lord to hear what you're saying, and to receive what you're speaking, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we uh, had a message on repentance and baptism, uh, preparing the way for the Lord uh, last week. And before that, uh, the message that I prepared or gave uh, the first week after I had been announced as senior pastor, on the role of a senior pastor, I read from Exodus 18:20, which was some, was guidance that Jethro gave to Moses. And he said, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament describe our life, our following God as a walk. And tell us over and over that we have to be reminded how to walk and the way to walk and the way in which uh, we must walk and then the work that we must do. So this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be talking about the way to walk. And then the two weeks after that, we'll be looking at the work that we must do. Our walk, though, can get a little confusing. You see see the little image on the screen and what's in your bulletin. A lot of times uh, we don't know where to go. And that's why uh, Moses was told and throughout the New Testament we're told to be reminded of how and where we're supposed to be walking. It's easy to get lost. It's easy to take the wrong path. How many of you have been driving longer than you've had a phone app to tell you where to go? The kids are like, what? (laughs) What What are you talking about? It just tells me what this voice. This voice tells me where to go and where to turn. Did you know we have a voice that will tell us where to go and where to turn if we'll listen? My wife and I drove back before uh, the voice <laughs> told us where to go. And we took many a wrong turn trying to follow a map. Sometimes we didn't even have a map. And I'm not one of those men, and she'll tell you, that that won't stop and ask for directions. I'd stop on every corner. <laughs> like, we'd just tell me how to get a mile. I'll stop again and ask again. You know, I just wanted to get there. I didn't care. I just wanted to know the way. And now we have these apps that tell us where to go. I just want you to know this morning, and I even dressed different. I felt like God told me this was more of a relaxed message, that it needed to be between you and me. Try to imagine us sitting like at a coffee table or a kitchen table, that, that just you and I are talking this morning, and I'm just talking to you because I care about you, and I care about your walk with Christ, and I want to disciple you this morning. And I want the Holy Spirit to speak this morning to you. Because there's two voices telling us where to go. And again, if you missed those other messages, uh, go listen to them. You can watch on the Facebook live feed or you can listen, listen to it because, uh, on our podcast. Because they're really foundational. This message will kind of be out of place if you didn't have those two messages. But there's two voices telling us where to go, and one is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and the other is the enemy. Satan himself is telling you where to go and where to turn, and he's telling you how to think and how to live, and there's those two voices, but they're not equal voices. Jesus Christ is Lord of all creation. Everything has to submit to him. Every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess that he alone is Lord. But we have to decide who we're going to confess, who we're going to follow, who we're going to listen to. And I was reminded of this other voice, of the voice of the enemy this week as I read an article on Wednesday. It came out and this is the title of the article it says almost half of u.s births happen outside of marriage but it doesn't just tell a story this this um, article and the author and the people who contributed also attempt to be prophetic the next part of the title says signaling cultural shift they're they're predicting the future and here's what the article says Births outside of marriage have skyrocketed in developed nations. An increasing number of births happen outside of marriage, signaling cultural and economic shifts that are here to stay. There's a prophetic word again. This isn't, they're not just, it's one thing to report statistics on. They're just reporting numbers. This is what's happening. It's on the rise. You can't argue with that. But then they're getting into the prophetic realm and this is the enemy speaking to you saying, this is normal. This is okay. Get with the times. It's a cultural and religious shift. Accept it. This is the article. It's a shift that's here to stay. It goes on to say that 40% of all births in the U.S. now occur outside of wedlock, up from 10% in 1970. And that number is even higher in the European Union where 60% of births occur outside of marriage. They said one of the reasons the number is higher in the European Union is that the government provides more economic support to an unwed parent than most partners can provide. So if they were to get married, they would stop getting the government assistance, and the partner doesn't make enough for that, so it makes economical sense to stay unmarried. The data shows such births in the U.S. and the European Union are predominantly to unmarried couples living together rather than to single mothers. So it's couples, they're just not getting married. The data suggests that societal and religious norms about marriage Childbearing and women in the workforce have changed. So, again, their kind of prophetic word societal and religious thoughts and norms have changed. Accept it. This is the new normal. Deal with it. That's the enemy saying, go that way. Take this turn here. The only problem is it's a lie. C.S. Lewis made the observation, he said, we think that by mere development or adjustment or refinement of evil that we can somehow turn it into good. He goes on to say, without our being called on for a final and total rejection of anything that we should like to retain we're just going to twist it and turn it a little bit and evil's going to be good it's all going to be okay because we said so because the cultural shift because the religious norms say it's okay And we don't have to give up anything, anything that we want to retain. Something in my life, in my sin. Maybe it's not okay for anybody else, but it's okay for me because it's just a little bit here. I'm just holding on to this little bit here. But the problem is it's a heart issue. This isn't a message that's saying we attain our salvation by works. I'm not telling you that we get saved by works. It's by grace alone. Jesus Christ came. It says, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. But what I'm talking about this morning is how do we look at sin? We've devalued it. We've minimalized it to say it's not that big of a deal. God's okay with it. He's going to cover it up. He's going to fix it all in the end. So it's okay. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Lewis, C.S. Lewis goes on to say, this belief I take to be a disastrous error. We do not live in a world where all roads lead to God or to heaven, rather in a world where every road after a few miles forks into two and each of those into two again. And at each fork, you must make a decision just like that picture. Every fork, every turn, there's two voices and only one is telling you the truth. Only one will get you to the destination that you're going to. Who's Lord of your life? Who are you listening to? Who are you following? He went on to say that not everyone who chooses a wrong road will perish. And that's true. The Bible tells us if we... Sin and we will sin that we can confess and God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. But it's the way that we treat that sin. It's the way that we walk in it that tells what our heart is doing. If our heart is following God or if our heart is following the enemy. He goes on to say, but the rescue consists in being put back on the right road. You can't stay on the wrong road and get to God. You have to go back to where you took a wrong turn. He says a sum can't be put right if you don't go back to where you made the error. Think of you were doing a math problem. Have you ever done those that go like two pages? And like halfway through, you made a mistake. And somewhere later on, you realize that something's not right. You're never going to get to the solution by just pressing on. You have to go back and see where you went off, where you went in error and repent, make a correction and change, and then you can go on again. Evil can be undone, but it can never be developed into good. If we insist on keeping hell or even earth, we shall not see heaven. And if we accept heaven, we shall not be able to retain even the smallest and most intimate souvenir of hell. It's a hard issue. Is there something you're just like, I just want that little souvenir of sin. It's a little thing. Because I love it. Because I don't want to let it go. I don't want to submit it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I don't want to give it over. I want this. It's about your heart. If we've made Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, then we're saying we're willing to give Him everything. There's nothing that we can hold on to. We have to hand everything to His authority and to His Lordship. Isaiah 5:20 gives us a good picture of where we find ourselves today. He says, "Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter." That's the lie of the enemy today. What's good is evil and what's evil is good. Deal with it. Accept it. It's okay. It's the societal norm. It's the new religious norm. But it's a lie. But what does the Bible say? Romans 13, 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. God is not going to change based on popular opinion. If all of us agree on a lie, God is not going to agree with us because societal norms and religious norms say so. He's not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's not going to change. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he, speaking of Christ, died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him for who their sake died and was raised. He died so we would no longer live for ourselves, so we wouldn't hold on to any souvenirs, to any part of us that we had, but that everything would be put into submission of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 10:3 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. It's the power of Jesus Christ. Not only have we minimalized sin in our culture today and in our personal individual lives today, but we've minimalized the power of God. We've minimalized the power of Jesus Christ in us, the power of the Holy Spirit that He sent us. We've said, He's not enough. He's not strong enough. He can't really keep me out of sin. He's just going to clean up my mess. And it's a lie. The example that I felt he gave me to put this point home is our marriage. So, Candy and I have been married 20 years now, almost 20 years. June, June will be 20 years. And so, one of the lies, and I've, if this is truth, it's biblical, it says that we can't walk in sin. We can't have a lifestyle of sin that we have to be walking in the spirit, following God, walking with him. And that it's OK every once in a while if we take a step out and we sin and we say, OK, God, I'm sorry, I Confess. I'm going to come back and I'm going to walk with you. And that's true. We read just a moment if we confess our sins, he's going to be faithful. He's going to forgive us. That's truth. That's biblical. The problem is, is we've made it of no value. Because we've put it at such a low level. Sin has been taken down to such a low level that it's not that big of a deal. I'll just repent, or I don't even have to repent anymore. I'm just covered by the blood. So we've been married for almost 20 years. Would it be okay if I had an affair with another woman once a week? That's not living in sin, is it? I'm just doing it once a week. Six days of the week, I'm faithful. What's the big deal? That's not walking in sin. Walking in sin, I'd have to do it every day, right? Would you be okay with that? No? Okay. <laughs> what about once a month? I mean, golly. Golly. If you can stay out of your little pet sin, your hobby sin, your souvenir sin for a month and you just do it once a month, you're doing good. So I would've only cheated on her 12 times a year. 20 years that's only 200 and almost 50 times. Pretty good, right? But I'm not living in it. What about once a year? How many of you would be declaring victory in your life if the sin that you've held on to, you only committed it once a year? You'd be ready to shout it from the rooftops. I was addicted to drugs, but now I only do it once a year. I watch pornography, but now I only look at it once a year. That's great. I used to cheat on my wife once a week, but now I only do it once a year. What about once every five years? I would have only cheated on her four times. Four times in 20 years. What's the big deal? That's what we've done with sin. If I did that once... In 20 years it would have destroyed her. I would have ripped her heart in two. And even if I repented, even if I was broken-hearted, even if I confessed, she wouldn't have to take me back. She could forgive me, but it would never be the same. It would never be the same. I took her love, I took her trust, I took her commitment, and I said it was worthless. That's what we do every single day. We tell God, thanks for sending your son to die on the cross. I'm just going to wash all this sin off today and I'm going to do it again tomorrow and I'll do it again the next day and I'll do it again the next day and I'll do it again the next day and you'll clean it all up. But I love you. Love you because you're the Lord of my life. That's where we've come because we've listened to the enemy's directions. It's the new societal norm. It's the new religious norm. It's okay. Why are you so uptight? Because it's breaking his heart. Because he loves you. And when we were still in sin, he died for us. But he didn't die for us so we could stay there. He died for us so we could have a new life. So that we could be set free. So that we could walk in victory. To put the flesh to sin. To make no place for sin in our life. 1 John 2.6 tells us that we can abide in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus is saying, if you abide in Me, if you stay in relationship with Me, you're going to walk the same way I walked. You're going to live the same life that I lived. Through Me, not on your own strength, not on your own power, but on my strength. Remember the parable of the vine and the branches. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you're going to get your life from me, from the vine. Everything is going to flow from me into you. Look at First John 3, 6. He says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. We don't like these scriptures. We try not to read these scriptures. We try to stay away from these passages because it sounds hard. That's too strict. We can't do that. And the truth is, we can't. But in Him, we can and we've allowed the lie of the enemy to tell us it's impossible, even with Christ, even with the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to live that kind of life. So just deal with it. Just let him clean up your mess. Just say you love them. Just say you serve him, but live however you want because he's going to cover it all up. But what that says is our heart has never really been given to him. If it has, we couldn't do it. And when we did, it would destroy us. It would break our heart. It would cause us to go back and confess our sins. It would cause us to to ask for that forgiveness. If I were to do that to Candy, if I were to cheat on her and have an affair, it would cause me to fall apart and to repent and to to break down. And whether or not she forgave me or not, I would be a wreck. But we don't treat God that way. And we don't treat sin that way because we say, this is the new societal norm. It's all okay. I don't have to live in victory. So we've devalued sin. We've said sin isn't that big of a deal. But we've also devalued Christ and the work that He did and the power of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says we can walk in the Spirit. The Bible says that we do not have to give over to the desires of the flesh. The Bible says that in Christ, we're a new creation. The Bible says it's possible by the Holy Spirit in me, by the new life. We just saw the young man get baptized. He's a new creation. That's real. And he can live in that and he can walk in that. Through the power of God and through the Holy Spirit, he can live that life every single day. And when he falls, when he stumbles, if he has a love for God, then he's going to hear the Holy Spirit saying, Whoa, buddy, you just went right. You should have gone left. You don't say, Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I'll go back right now. We're going to go back and we're going to get on the right path. But we just want to say, ah, I'm going to go wrong way all the time. And he's going to take care of it. But that's not what the Bible tells us we can do. 1 John 5, 1 through 5 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I don't have to work at not cheating on Candy. It's not a burden. I love her. I want to be faithful to her. It's not a burden. If we love Him, if we've put ourselves under His authority and His Lordship and anything that comes in that's outside of that, we say, God, I'm putting this under the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lord of my life, not for me to defeat it, but for you to defeat it. That you can bind this up. That you can kill it. Because you're Lord of everything. Verse four, for everyone who has been born of God, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, faith in Jesus Christ. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? We can overcome the world when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, when we abide in Him, and when we walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you are abiding in Jesus Christ, if you are walking by the Spirit, you will not gratify Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So, if you were clear of that list, you're not you're off the hook. It's not a, not a complete list. Then he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with them. Which way am I supposed to go, Lord? Left or right? Hear his voice and follow it, whatever he's telling you. And anything, we read the scripture that said anything that exalts itself against God were to bring under the submission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any thought, any action that would exalt itself against God, that would say, This is okay. We're to take it to him and say, Lord, I put this in your hands, under your authority, under your uh, lordship, for you to destroy it. By your power, by the power of your son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you destroy it because I can't. But I've committed my life. I've committed my heart. I've committed everything that I am to submit to your lordship, to your authority. And I want to follow you. And anything that counters that, we take to Him. And we say, Lord, this is your fight. The enemy's trying to tell me I still do this, but I gave this to you. The enemy is trying to tell me that I, I can't get over this, but I give it to you. The enemy says, I'm just supposed to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to give it to you. And every thought will be taken captive and destroyed under the lordship of Jesus Christ if we give it to him. There's two scriptures that we're going to read that that tell us no believer has to sin. No believer has to live in sin. Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. You know, lots of people say, well, this is for after we die. He's really just going to clean us up in the end. No, this scripture says, in this present age, today, we can receive training so that we can renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There's no temptation that's overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When we don't, it's because in our heart we're saying we don't want to. We don't want you to be Lord of our life anymore. Or maybe you never were. I would rather hold on to my sin. I would rather do what I want to do than submit it to your lordship. I'm going to hold on to my souvenirs of hell. But God says we can't. It's one or the other. He's either Lord or He isn't. And He is Lord. We read last week. Every knee is going to bow, every tongue's going to confess. And He loves you so much that while you were totally in sin, He sent His Son to die. But that love doesn't get us off the hook. Not if we don't accept Him as our Lord, our Savior. It said, crucify our flesh. We have to let Him crucify us the same way that Jesus Christ did and let it die and leave it dead and treat every sin at the same level as what we would think as adultery. But you know what? Give it enough time. And the cultural norm, the new religious norm, will be that it's okay to cheat on your wife 52 times a year. And that wouldn't be shocking anymore. Because that's normal. We just take it serious when it's one of these other things. Something I don't have a problem with. The Bible says we're not supposed to cheat. We're not supposed to lie. We're not supposed to hate. We're supposed to love our brother as ourself. All of these things that we don't want to do. But if we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we've got to do all of it. And when we make a mistake, it should be the equivalent of, of that sin that you think is above all other sins that would break your heart. And you take it to God and say, I'm sorry. I confess. I give it to you. I don't want to be the Lord of my life anymore. I don't want the enemy to be the Lord of my life anymore. I want you, the only good, the only righteous, the only pure Lord, to be Lord of my life, every area. I I don't want any souvenirs. I'm not holding anything back. Everything is yours. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. I'll give anything up. Nothing is sacred. There's no idol that I'm going to hold on to. No relationship that I'm going to hold on to. No anything that I'm going to hold on to. If it's not of you, I'm letting it go. And if, if he's brought that up to your attention and you hold on, then you're making your decision. And he'll ask again, and he'll ask again, and he'll give you opportunity after opportunity. But at some point, the Bible even says that we can sear our hearts. And eventually, we get to the point where evil's good, and good's evil. And the truth can't break through anymore. And the Bible says that God gives us over to our lusts, to our passions. And it's not because God didn't love you. And it's not because Jesus' blood wasn't enough to cover you. It's because you rejected it. You rejected it over and over and over and over and over. Hosea, God sent the prophet Hosea and told him to marry a prostitute. And she cheats on him. And then God says, go buy her back. And he goes and buys her back and she cheats on him again and he's, she's having his kids and God gives them the names for the children and it just keeps going back and forth. And God says, this is what you've done to me. This is how you've treated my love. I go after you and you cheat on me. I go after you and you cheat on me. I go after you and you cheat on me. At some point, We have to decide if we love Him, If we love Him enough to be Lord of our life, of every area of our life. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. You can follow every single word of God and live totally in the will of God and it doesn't mean you're going to have an easy life. Jesus Christ did that and He didn't have an easy life. People lied about Him They beat him. They spit on him. They crucified him. And he did it all perfect. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but I've overcome it. I've overcome it because I'm Lord. But we have to decide, is he Lord of my life? Is he Lord of your life this morning? Will you really give it all over to him? and not hold anything back. Will you pray with me? Dear Holy Father, Lord, we thank You, we thank You, we thank You that You are God and we're not. Father, I thank You that You first loved us while we were in our sin. But Your love is so powerful. The cross and the resurrection was so Good and so perfect and so great that it can put our flesh to death and give us a new life where we can be dead to sin. We can walk in righteousness by the power of Jesus Christ in us and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can abide in you. And we can abide in your spirit. And we can let you abide in us. And we can do it. We don't have to turn to the right or turn to the left. We can really follow you. We can really live a life of righteousness. And actually be the light in the world that you called us to be. Totally different. Holy. Totally other from the rest of this world. And every thought, every uh, cultural norm that raises itself up against you, we can bring it into submission to the name of Jesus Christ. Father, forgive us for taking sin lightly. Father, we confess our sins this morning and ask that you cleanse us once again. Give us the strength. Give us the power in your Holy Spirit to follow you like you've called us to do. And Father, I pray that we will never make an excuse for sin again. No matter how little we think it is, no matter how big we think it is, Lord, that we will set our heart, set our face to you And make no justification for when we may look away and stumble. But if we do, Lord, I pray that it would break our heart and we would come back. But don't ever let us take it lightly again. Holy Spirit, declare your truth this morning. Make it real. Transform lives this morning. Because only you can do it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, our prayer teams are here to pray with you, to agree with you in prayer. The only response this morning is to seek him, seek him, seek his word. Every message that we preach is like a little microcosm of, of what God's saying. There's so much you have to seek them yourself. You have to seek His Word yourself. You have to hear the Holy Spirit for yourself. You have to do it. And this morning, you can confess and you can come back. And He'll forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And He will be the Lord of your life if you let Him. If you let Him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to com.